Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I think, you know, with Dalton, the, the things we like as you look at it, you know, obviously his experience, he's a nine-year starter. Uh, he's been to three Pro Bowls. A lot of leadership uh, with Andy Dalton. Uh, decision-making, we like his decision-making. Uh, he's won a lot of games in this league. Uh, Andy's been a durable player, too. I think that's something that's understated. And I think really Andy fits our style of offense. You know, when you go through it with our scouts and coaches, you know, he can handle the drop back game. He can handle the RPOs, the play actions, the movements. And we just felt, you know, as we went through those free agent quarterbacks, uh, he's one of the more complete quarterbacks that we evaluated this year in free agency. And uh, we're excited to have him. That's the inexplicably employed Ryan Pace, your Bears GM talking about Andy Dalton fitting a scheme that seems to be impossible to identify. But that's also the same guy who last year told us he really liked Mitch Trubisky's ability to process a defense and his accuracy when neither were true. So take that for what it's worth. Make of that what you will. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage. And that usually gives us a chance to play Ryan Pace and discuss Ryan Pace and his Bears. And now we're going to go to the score hotline, brought to you by Alpamani Nissan, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. And welcome in score NFL insider and um, Shaw football analyst and the Ubermacher of Pro Football Weekly. That's Hub Arkush. Hub, how you doing today? And thanks for joining us. Hey, any day, Rosie, that I can be the Ubermacher, I'm good. So it's, uh, you, know. <laughs> you are. You're the Ubermacher. So uh, it, you've written this week, and I wanted you to share with the class what you feel comfortable sharing without, but, but still making sure people click on it and subscribe. <laughs> the the well, I mean, it's true. It's a really hard. I, I'm fascinated by when you write, when you think out loud like this. You look at stuff and you dive. You made a deep dive into the the draft classes of Ryan Pace that it, you know, top heavy failure, but all of a sudden there's a bit of gold here, a bit of gold there. And, and you've looked at his free agency and you've looked at the, the possibility of trades because he, he's got spilkis on draft days. So wherever you want to start, what of those three areas with the draft coming up, what's the most important for wherever this bears franchise, this bears roster goes, you know, Steve, um, it's funny. Ryan Pace made two decisions that forever doomed him. One, 
is in the 2017 draft, he traded up from number three to number two when he absolutely didn't have to to get the guy he wanted. And then at number two, he took the wrong guy in the only draft in the last 10 years where top 10 quarterbacks have actually threatened to become franchise quarterbacks. You know, and so we've got this so out of kilter, you know, as you said in your intro, inexplicably the GM. I, I, I strongly disagree. You know, I, I can explain it. Um, I think there's reasons for it. I, I, I think that, that he has done a decent job in many areas. And, and so basically I thought let's kind of get to the roots of it. So last week I detailed each free agent class, every signing and, and put grades on them, uh, you know, and, and both the, the, the bad ones, uh, the Antrell rolls of the world, uh, um, you know, as, as well as, and the Pernell McPhees, as well as the Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathans. And then this week, I think it was a couple days ago, went every draft, every trade, and put grades on those as well. And and where you end up is when you eliminate those two decisions, uh, the, the trade up from three to two and the selection of Mitch over, over Deshaun Watson. And I refuse to fault him for, for taking him over Patrick Mahomes because I know for a fact that at least 25 to 27 teams in the league would have done the same thing. Mahomes was the surprise in the group. I will just never understand why they took him over Watson. But once you get past those couple things and you plug in the deserving Executive of the Year award, which he did, um, and you separate the first three years with John Fox from the last three years with with Matt Nagy, he's just not the disaster that a lot of Bears fans want to paint him as. All right, Hob, let's let's get to what may or may not happen this year then for the bears right now they have in the first round they have the 20th overall pick do you think they'll keep that pick mark uh, that that was actually <laughs> thank you guys that's today's column <laughs> <laughs> oh. shawlocal.com that's all yeah. i can say shawlocal.com yeah. well what i did was I, I i don't pretend to know things i don't know and, and so i haven't seen their draft board i, I don't know which players mark moved the board cause them to jump up and make a trade, maybe allow them to trade back. But what I did was look at the most likely scenarios based on their needs at offensive tackle, quarterback, safety, and wide receiver, and then try and identify the teams that they could possibly be dealing with, and then worked off the trade value chart to show folks what those trades might look like. And so um, the only possibility, first of all, guys, with the quarterbacks, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence is the only quarterback in this draft with a better grade, a better draft prospect ranking than Mitch Trubisky had. Now, that doesn't mean that that one, two, three, or all four of these other guys are going to be better than Mitch. It means the, the odds are that they won't be based on what happens with quarterbacks in these drafts. We know the first three in some order. Uh, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And then I suspect um, with the way everything's moving right now, it's going to be uh, Zach, um, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. But I, I just I don't know. You know, Trey Lance is fascinating. Justin Fields is the one nobody can figure out. But we know three of them are going to be gone. So if one of the two that are left, they love the way they loved Mitch, then to get up to number four, it would be painfully expensive. It, it would cost two ones, two twos and a three. Um, and, or, you know, and you can manipulate a little bit, but, but that's the way this chart tends to work out. And when you look at the significant needs at other positions to take another gamble, like the one that's caused him all this agita in the first place, I, I just don't see it. Okay. And, and so then 
you flip it around and you say, let's say all five quarterbacks are gone in the top eight and they're probably going to be. You know that three wide receivers are going to go in the top 12 or 13 when you look at Javar Chase and the two Alabama, Jamar Chase and the two Alabama kids, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. You know Penny Sewell's going to be gone. You know Micah Parsons are going to be gone. Now, other than Sewell, none of those guys really matter to you. And suddenly you're down to 12, and, and all but Sewell are on the, on the board at tackle. You know, all but the big three are on the board at wide receiver. There's no safeties you want to go top 15, top 20 in this draft. Um, there's no quarterbacks left. But, but, but now if you don't go tackle wide receiver, you know, maybe you've got a player on your board that you had as the sixth, seventh best player in the draft, and he's sitting there at 13 or 14. So, you know, teams I'd keep an eye on, you know the Eagles are trying to stockpile picks. And so that trade isn't nearly as expensive for the Bears. That That's this year's one and three, uh, you know, and, and I'm doing this from memory now, so I may be off a little bit, but you keep an eye on them trading up to 12 to maybe get the second best offensive tackle in the draft. If you think that's Derisaw or Leatherwood or whoever it may be, um, or maybe to get the, the, the fourth best wide receiver in the draft that you have a higher grade on. If they don't go there, then at 13 and 14, you, you've got the, the, the Jaguars and the Vikings with very similar needs to the Bears, and the Vikings aren't going to help the Bears, but at 15 are the Patriots, and, and, and Ryan Pace and Bill Belichick love making draft day trades. And if the five quarterbacks are gone, um, that trade's not that expensive. Uh, and so you look at 15, um, and then you know 17 and 18 are possibilities because you've got the Raiders in there, you've got the Jaguars. They don't have the same needs as the Bears. So that's where I would keep an eye on them possibly making trades. If they sit at 20, there's a good chance they're still going to get the third or fourth best tackle in this draft. There's a good chance they're still going to get the fourth or fifth best wide receiver in this draft, or you may find a safety or, or a cornerback who you can't pass. I'm leaving out cornerback because, you know, they've got so many kids and they've plugged in Trufant. Don't forget, Mark, you know, Artie Burns was, was running with the ones before he tore that yep. ACL last year. Sure. Um, so I, I know a lot of people have them taking a cornerback in the first round. I'd be really surprised by that unless it's it's one of the top two. You, you know, if um, Sertain's not going to fall, I don't know if it's Certain or Sertain, um, he's not going to fall that far. But then you get to J.C. Horn, who's interesting. He's a good-sized kid. Um, you know, South Carolina did a nice job with Stephon Gilmore. Um, but I just, I don't know how they do that and, and, and then, you know, still have these gaping holes at tackle and depth at wide receiver. We're talking with Hub Arkish here. He's the uh, Scores NFL Insider, Bears Insider, on Saturday suckage. So I'm in favor of the the offensive line. That's where I would want to build it, protect whether it's Andy Dalton or Andy Doppelganger, whoever it's going to be. The report. What did you make of that? The Ian Rappaport tweeted out and from the NFL Network. A storyline to watch, the Bears potentially trading or looking into trading Anthony Miller, which was a high draft pick, somebody for whom Ryan Pace traded up and had it has had really two interesting kind of years here. I don't know how coachable he is. I don't know how disciplined he is. And I don't know whether that was the agent or the Bears who put that out there just to see whatever kind of fishing expedition it might yield. What do you make of that? Well, Steve, 90% of this is the agents, and, and that's what can be so frustrating um, uh, about this time of year is you get these stories out there and there's big headlines on them and there was never really anything to them. In this particular case, 
Um, I think it's the agent pushing the story, but I'm sure the Bears have uh, fielded a couple calls, maybe made a couple calls. But I think what Bears fans have to understand is that if he's a failed second-round pick after three years, maybe you get a five, but most likely you're talking about a six or a seven. You've already got four sixes, and, and so that that doesn't really move your draft needle all that much for you, no. you know, is, is the thing. Um, they're, they're almost, because I know the answer to your other question, I'm curious if Mark would agree with this. Um, he is super talented. His work ethic is fine, and he's a really good young man. His concentration and his focus are his problem. And, you know, they work with him. And, and I talk to, to, to his coaches and, and, and to Ryan Pace and people, and they say, you know, we, we keep thinking this is it because he does everything you want him to do. Um, but then come game day and sometimes in practice, he, he just doesn't seem able to, to, to stay on task. I, I agree, and it, it goes in spurts for, for him. Like, I think that... They they get in his head. They call him out publicly, as public as any player. And then you'll see the focus, like you know, every third or fourth game. And then he just he just goes away. And then last year, Hub, basically, we we saw Darnell Mooney take over his playing time. I don't think it's any more complex than that. Like, man, and Mooney's going to continue to get that if if Miller's even around next year. Guys, go back, uh, or, or all of our listeners, if you have a little time to kill, watch some of the 2019 Thanksgiving Day game and watch Anthony Miller and Mr. Trubisky work together. I mean, yeah. it, it'll make you a little sick because you'll wonder why Mitch isn't the franchise quarterback. But more to the point, Anthony Miller that day was a bigger, stronger um, Antonio Brown. And, and, uh, and, and don't forget that while A.B. has, you know, become a nut job for five years, he was one of the most dominant receivers in the history of the league. And, and, and that's the guy I'm talking about. So, Well, the... Yeah, the, no, what he, he, was, he was terrific. What he could be, what he has been on the field, just the precision with which he, he, he runs routes, also brings up something in improving the, the, the receiver core, but giving the quarterback enough time to do it. Where on the scale, the credibility scale, do you find Matt Nagy when he takes back the play calling and we saw what happened, he had to give it up because of out of because they sucked. And what they ended up doing in my world is out of desperation, they needed to run the ball. They didn't believe in it before. They believed in it a lot more when they had trouble on the offensive line. They settled on an offensive line because injuries made them do that. And then they worked a balanced offense off of that, but that was never the plan when everybody was healthy and it was all blue sky. Do you agree with that? Do you think that changed Matt Nagy? You know, Steve, it's funny. You're one of the few guys um, who can appreciate how long I've been doing this and how many Bears coaches I've been around. Even you were a kid when I started in yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of all of, of all of them. Matt is the one that I have the hardest time feeling like I really know. I, I, I just, I, I can tell you his players love playing for him. And, and that is consistent. It's unanimous. And it includes guys who've left here, you, you know, um, he is, a pleasure for us to work to work with. We are very much on his schedule, uh, which is a little frustrating sometimes. But other than that, um, uh, and, and and he's obviously a very smart football guy. But but there's something about this 
this obsession, you know, with play calling and running the offense that, that I don't fully understand. Now, I do know that Bill Lazor was principally calling plays the last six weeks of the season, but anybody who thinks that Matt wasn't, you know, intimately involved just because he didn't have his face buried in the play cart, you know, 24-7, um, is kidding themselves. So I, I just, I don't know how big a deal that is. I, Matt, I, I know I like him a lot personally. I see some things I really like about him as a coach. His players love him as a coach. And it's what keeps me wondering, is there possibly something special there? Do, do they just need to get over these couple humps? Because again, as a rookie, NFL coach of the year. You come back year two, you have some disappointments, but part of it's your quarterback takes a step back and really four plays in two games uh, or your ten and six. And I know that's a story for a lot of teams, but I'm just saying that's his story. And then, guys, I just I do not put career-altering grades on anybody in the NFL for what they've been through in, in, in the last 12 months because while they pulled it off better than the all other you know, three major team sports, they got the whole season in. What they worked through, and again, Rosie, you know, Mark and I were, were there both days. I mean, the circumstances under which they worked, nobody should be judged uh, for their career based on working under those circumstances. So in, the, in that three-year window, I, uh, the jury for me is very much out on Matt Nagy, but I do think it's going to, we're going to figure it out quick. Uh, if they don't get off to a good start this year, and particularly if the offense is struggling by week five, week six, week seven, then I think it's fair to become really concerned that his insistence on micromanaging the offense could be an issue. Well, you know, I think part of it, Hub, too, is, and this is for, for both of you guys, is that the reason it's hard to just say, Matt Nagy is bad and he's not a good coach and all that, it, uh, other than the, the successful 2018 season, is that Matt Nagy has such command of the conversation. He, Everything he says makes a lot of sense, and he it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he speaks it well as well like everything he says like yeah that that actually computes and then for whatever reason on game day since 2018 a lot of times it hasn't and then the other part hub is the one that you've probably been on top of more than anybody else he has failed to put together a an offense that and it started to come together with the running game last year, but the running game and complementing it with the other things that he wants to do, that's been a failure. He has yeah. not been able to do that yet. Yeah, and you know, guys, I, I, I just I look at this thing, the offensive line, you know, why they haven't invested in it, but, but have had interesting conversations with folks over the last month or two as we all do the best we can to keep up with this. And, and one of the things I will tell you, um, not based on anything they've said specifically, but because you do get to know these guys and you know they're not stupid and you can read between the lines and occasionally, um, you know, you get something extra out of somebody. They know who Andy Dalton is. I, you know, my biggest frustration with the Bears is, is that that season-ending press conference, people are going to be talking about five, ten years from now, and, 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 it, and it didn't have to happen. I mean, you know, everybody knew what the questions were going to be, what the mood was going to be like, and, and, and they just weren't yeah. properly prepared, neither coach and GM or owner and, and, and president and CEO. That was number one. And then number two, you know, they know who Andy Dalton is, and they were in a bad situation. They got forced by false media reports in, into, 
you know, everyone believing that, that, that Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson was going to be their next quarterback, it was never going to happen. Then, you know, they, I know for a fact they inquired about trades of some other guys that Bears fans would probably like to have here, and, and they, they weren't being offered. So when you look at what was there in free agency, it was, you know, what's the best of a bad lot? This, it's a one-year deal they gave Andy Dalton. And so I just wish that they, they, you know, think more about the things that they say so they wouldn't be their own worst enemy sometimes. Because every time they say Andy Dalton makes good decisions, um, uh, I, I just I, I want to up Chuck. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Look at the, the you got nine years worth of tape. I mean, uh, you know, and they talk about his three Pro Bowls. Let, let's get the record straight here, okay, guys? In his three Pro Bowls, he was never voted to the Pro Bowl. He was an alternate all three times. Now that still means you know he was better than others. In one of those seasons, he threw 13 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. In another season, he completed 59% of his. He's never been a Pro Bowl quarterback. Stop selling that stuff. You, you know, just tell the truth. You know, we needed to fill the spot. It was time to move on from Mitch. Uh, we believe Andy Dalton was the best one out there. We think we can win with him. Next question. And and they choose not to do that. You know, so sometimes they're just their own worst enemy. Don't make Hub get out of his chair. That's the that's the conclusion at this point. Don't make me get out of my chair. Before we let you go, Hub, we were asking this because of what the Dodgers did on ring in their ring ceremony, where they had a player's childhood idol introduce them before they came out to get their ring um, along the third baseline. So have you had you been if you were a championship baseball player and you as a Cub fan you won a World Series with the Cubs and you mm. were going out to accept your ring who would you have chosen to be your your childhood idol who would have presented you who would have introduced you well I you know I can't remember what your Ernie passed away but I mean uh, you know Steve we're, we're, we're childs of the 60s children of the 60s I should uh-huh. say I'm, I'm one of three boys uh, and, and in our house, uh, my, my brother, I have an older brother, Dan's 14 months older than me. He was Ron Santo. I was Ernie Banks. And our little brother was Billy Williams. And, and so... That's awesome. Uh, it's the heart of the orcish order. Oh, I mean, and, and it was every day out the door at seven playing baseball till it got dark, you know. And, and there was, you know, 10, 15 kids in the neighborhood. And, and, and I practiced being Ernie Banks for, I don't know, eight, nine years before I realized that uh, I, I wasn't... Uh, <laughs> didn't take. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, you, you have to have some talent to go with the wishes. Yeah, you know? that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, was, I was really amazed until I realized it's going to be easier to write about them than to replicate them. So I certainly... Hey, Hope, you know who that. I was? I was, uh, I was Dave Kingman. That, that was my, as a child, and I know that, you know, he was kind of a tool as it turned out, but, like, when well, I was a kid, man. Your uncle Kong. would be pissed at you, man. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Grody. Yep. There you go. All right. Oh, thanks for joining us. Pre- appreciate you taking time. Thanks Take for care. having me, guys. Always look forward to visiting with you. All right. See you, Arkish. The uh, Ubermacher of Pro Football Weekly and uh, ShawLocal.com. Go read his stuff there. It's very enlightening. And you know what? Makes a case for that most people don't agree with about Ryan Pace, but there's the case. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we need to do What Are You Doing, Wegner? Because it has, there's a recurring theme to this. And it's certainly. It's certainly worth hearing again. We're going to. On Odyssey, we have audio. That's the way it works. Do you see what I did there, Mark? 
Yeah, you are such radio. a company guy. Listen, we to have you. audio, and we'll take an Odyssey back to uh, one of our favorite actors and a story that I guarantee you didn't know. I certainly didn't know this, but anytime we can add to the legend of more cowbell, we will. And awesome. we will do that next. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What are you doing, Wagner? Welcome back. What are you doing, Wagner? Our near award-winning segment. What are you doing around, in and around the sports world or just this television, this radio show, television. So I was making the point earlier uh, that our, our motto, we suck so you don't have to, is also suck like nobody's watching. And because this is radio, nobody is watching because we're not on Twitch. So I think that... That, Mark Grody, is a good advantage to us. We should we should add that to our motto. Suck like nobody's watching. That's, That's right. We have not do. been promoted to Twitch as to well. Twitch, yeah. So, anyways, that we, we seem to, and we should, celebrate Christopher Walken on a regular basis in this segment. Last week was his birthday, and we had discussed the, the a career that, you know, the deer hunter and Pulp Fiction and... 
more cowbell. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Well, that was, this week was the anniversary of that sketch. And I don't recall all this, so I did this deep dive. I went down this Christopher Walken, more cowbell rabbit hole. That was the last sketch of the show. I did not remember. Did you remember that? No, which is amazing because they usually put the the classics are usually up front. Right. And then so he's full metal walking. He's playing this series. He's Bruce Dickinson. He's got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> and there's <clears throat> Will Farrell playing the cowbell, staring straight at Chris Parnell. And by the time the sketch gets going, Will Ferrell's shirt is up to his, just is above his stomach. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I he, remember, of course. They went to, the story goes, they went to to costume him. And all they had was a shorter version. They, they offered to get him a, a larger version. He goes, no, no, this will be perfect for what I'm doing. And so that's why he intentionally wanted a, a shirt that was too small. And that shirt... <laughs> So in the background on the drums is Jimmy Fallon laughing and laughing and Chris Parnell. Right, almost ruining all, the skit. Yeah. Right, and they're all they're all doing this as this thing goes on. A script, a, a sketch, by the way, well, it was born out of Will Ferrell hearing the Blue Oyster Cult song and going, "What is that guy playing the cowbell? What's his <laughs> life like now?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's where the sketch came from. Here's something I didn't know as part of my dive. I didn't realize this, that so here is a clip from Will Ferrell appearing on Fallon's show as they started talking about legendary sketches and they got to this one. Here is a footnote. Here is another, something that adds to the legacy of that sketch. Here's the crazy thing. So I go to see Christopher Walken years later yeah. in a play. I say hello to him backstage. And he's like, you know, you've ruined my life. <laughs> what? what? People during the curtain call bring cowbells and ring them. <laughs> the other day I went for an Italian food lunch. And the waiter asked if I wanted more cowbell. <laughs> With my pasta bolognese. <laughs> and I think he was really mad at me. Well, yeah. No way. And he had a little smile, but... Well, because he had such a great career. I mean, but, you know... He was a great actor. From the deer hunter... Yeah. To Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, he's amazing. To more cowbell. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Isn't that great? And uh, the waiter asked if I wanted more cowbell. With my pasta bolognese. <laughs> I had my never Italian heard that part. Lunch. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, oh, I think that That's Christopher so Walken's best line in that skit, like obviously the I got a fever thing is, is incredible and legendary, but when he's talking about how he puts his legs on one leg at a time, except once I get him on and make gold records, like that kills yeah. me every yeah. time. <laughs> right. As the it producer, is. yeah, that's just, it, it's... And any chance we get to revisit that, we will. And I think if we're, if we're having our our, Chris, our Christopher Walken audio over the week, we're just going to do that at least once all of the... Because it's just... It's pretty remarkable the way it, 
it has lasted. It was April 8th of 2000. Wow. 21 years yeah. ago. 21 years ago this week. So here's something even more long-lasting in the next item of What Are You Doing, Wagner? On April 7th, 45 years ago, and April 7th, 32 years ago, April 7th, 45 years ago, Bad News Bears was released. And 32 years ago, on the same date, Major League was released. Just a bit outside. Nice. There you go. And you had... Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Shut up, Dorn. Right. And that's the one that you really have to see. Uh, that's a classic. Lou Brown is classic in that. It's Love just Lou Brown. They both on the same day, and it makes sense. It's usually the start of the baseball season. Let's bring the baseball movies out. Forty-five years ago, one of the things about Bad News Bears, it's um, it would you know Tatum O'Neill being t- Tatum O'Neill is holding a scene with Walter Matthau, who's in my world a legendary actor. His his Felix Unger, I mean his Oscar Madison was why I wanted to be a sports columnist because you can be a slob and smoke cigars and write about sports and that was my career goal yeah but you got there bud they're doing this they're talking about this this but morris buttermaker and and there's this scene where she's negotiating because he wants her to play baseball for his team 12 ballet lessons nine ballet lessons that's three dollars a shot for I just lit that cigar. That's terrible. Make it nine ballet I lessons. I want the imported kind of jeans. Jeans? Yes. What are you talking French about? Jeans. I'm not getting you any jeans. You know what I you know how many pools I gotta clean to get it's you a pair of imported jeans? What's the matter with American jeans? I don't like them. What do you think? Yeah, catfish hunter? Who's he? There you go. Hawk <laughs> Hawk Harrelson will tell you who Catfish Hunter is. But but there's a there are lines in that in that movie said by Tanner Boyle that you couldn't have an adult say now. I'm yeah. not going to say them here, but there's a there's part of what the way Tanner Boyle is describing the team that he's on, the Misfit Bears, and that's you're never gonna you would you would never hear that in in I don't I don't think maybe you would for a shock effect, but I can't imagine a little kid saying that now. But that was. I remember the first released. the first time yeah. I, the first time I saw that movie was probably I don't know ten years ago, and I was shocked then. It was like I can't believe they let this like ten year old kid say all this. It was unbelievable. Right. Well, it wasn't. It, it was in somewhat of a window, and at that point in the seventies when it was when it was made, that it was there. There wasn't. There wasn't the the pearl clutching, and there wasn't also the the need for respecting everyone's upbringing for respecting everyone's um, right to thought it was it was everybody was running over everything and it didn't it didn't really matter it was it was quite confirm, a thing that uh, yeah. confirm my memory for me so it's a movie originally then it was a it was a TV series for a while too right bad news was it bears really bad news I bears think, I I want to say it was and, unless I just remember as a kid watching the movie on television but for some reason my my childhood memory is saying to me that that was that they tried it 
to make it a TV series, maybe you could check that for us there, Studs. Mm. I, 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 that that's the way I remember it, but I don't know. I was I was just a Dave Kingman loving child at the time. Right. So if it were a bracket challenge, like Bad News Bears Major League, which which who would advance in your world? Well, it would be Major League for me. I I don't remember the the Bad News like the the nuts and bolts as much. You know what I mean? So for me, it's yeah. For me, it's Major League. What about you? Uh, I would I I would go with Bad News Bears because it had more okay. of a more more of an effect earlier, and I I also was in the Valley. I grew up in the Valley, and the idea of Engelbert, and I know that he was he was the stereotypical the 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 badly drawn fat catcher, fat funny catcher. Yeah, yeah. Engelberg, what was his name? Just Engelbert. Yeah. Engelbert. Yeah, and so. Walter Matthau is a pool cleaner, and don't jump in the pool, Engelberg. You'll flood the valley. I just, I was a fat, <laughs> I was the fat, funny catcher too, and so I, I identified with that. Hey guys, I, I did find on IMDb the Bad News Bears TV series, which ran for 26 episodes from 1979 to 1980. So didn't quite make it, but. Wow, it, was, it did. It was a thing, apparently. Yeah, see, now that that's that confirms it because I was in '79. I was seven years old, so that that's like you know my wow. sketchy memory. I do. I remember. I remember being very excited because I was so like as a kid, I was so attracted to baseball. Like that was it. Like I couldn't. I, I was insati- insatiable as far as like baseball consumption in any way. So that's why that that sort of has that episodic memory effect with me. That makes sense. That's in your wheelhouse. That's the way it. Yeah. That's the way it would right? play out. Yeah. That was. Yeah, uh, okay. Um, the the Sunday night game last week, the Shohei Otani show. Right? Yes, and, I watched. Um, so, and all of the all of the discussion about Shohei Otani and what he did, what he can do, what he has done, and the LA Angels tweeted out. But can your pitcher do this, all caps, question mark, and he hits that home run against the White Sox. So Noah Sindercard retweeted it with the comment, way past my bedtime, but hello, Angels. And it's Sindergaard hitting a home run in a game against the Phillies. Oh, so, oh man. Just in case you're wondering. Just in case you're yeah. wondering. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we have much more... What are you doing, Wagner? And including, so we'll get the Trash Panda's thoughts on this. There is a legitimate challenger, I think, something we have to consider, a minor league name, a minor league emblem, something we have to consider to the Trash Panda's throne in our world of, of king of the minor league names. Mm. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, Saturday Suckage, taking you up to 2 o'clock. Finishing up, what are you doing, Wegner? So, Trash Panda and Mark, this is what's happened. The Winston-Salem Dash, the Class A Advanced Carolina League affiliate of your Chicago uh-huh. White Sox, will share Truist Stadium with another baseball team. The Carolina Disco Turkeys. 
That is the newest name of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The, the <clears throat> Carolina Disco Turkeys, the logo is a turkey with plumage more fitting of an of a ostrich. But in a white suit, they bat in a right hand where the elbow is crooked, holding it on its right shoulder. And the serious-looking disco turkey is pointing with its left hand to the sky as if a home run were gone. So, Trash Panda, are you worried about your place? Are you what do you are, are you worried about your your <clears throat> place high atop our list as favorite team logo nickname? Nick, nickname? Carolina what, what, right, Disco what's Turkeys. Disco Turkeys? The Carolina Disco Turkeys, sir. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's an okay name. I to be honest with you, like Trash Paint is a good name. I don't even. I don't even put that. Like the Jumbo Shrimp is the best one of all time. If like if you were asking me, so I don't even think my own title is is number one in my own power rankings. Maybe for the shows it hey, is. Let me ask you this: that could, because we can't just waste Disco Turkey. Who at the <laughs> score? <laughs> Yeah, who would want to waste disco, disco turkey? Because if you're trash panda, who gets to be disco turkey? Man, that's a good question. Disco yeah. turkey. producer, on air talent, think. whoever. Who would that? Who's fit? the disco turkey? Well, well, who doesn't have a real um, nickname? That's. I guess we gotta start there. So what? Sean yeah, is Stifler well, on this show, right? So yeah. yeah. Okay. Fryer. Hmm. What about what? What about Rick Camp? Rick Camp. Because like turkey. He likes disco to eat turkey. turkey. He's fat. You know, he's, hmm. there's a legendary yeah. spot. He's already a, the disco. The disco is not him. befitting. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, Who else? Well, all right, let me think here. So, it I mean, there's have to be conferred today. No, I think we it can, does. We can I take do. that. Oh, you think it does? No, <laughs> if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We're going right, to return. We have to wait a month. We'll make this a to-be-continued segment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We will. Right. Yeah. To be continued. Let the suspense roll. Uh, I would. Uh, let me think here. So there's Brandon Fryer. He's he's the new guy. He doesn't have any kind of nickname yet. Right. Right. Uh, um, Mike Rankin doesn't have a nickname that I'm aware of. Ooh, okay. Mally. Mally doesn't have one. He's kind of a disco turkey, no? <laughs> <laughs> that might fit him, actually. Disco turkey. Yeah. Jordan the disco no, turkey I, Mally. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it for anybody so far. I don't know. There's got to be something. I don't know. Right, well, something organic will maybe, come out of maybe it. Maybe we will return to this. <laughs> yes, we will. We'll if come someone back. comes up with it at some point that's, that, that is fitting, then we'll, then we'll bring it back up. So we'll book Robert? this. Grobber, the disco turkey? No. No. I don't I don't like disco. Yeah, he probably doesn't like disco. Because he worked with um, Steve Dahl. The, the Masters is going on. Corey Connors, a golfer I've never heard of, aced the sixth hole. That'll lower his scoring. He had a hole in one. Before the Sweet. Masters took off, uh, started today, Doug Ferguson, who is the AP golf writer, took a picture of a box of 12 glazed donuts and titled the picture today's whole locations at the masters <laughs> which nice. i think was inspired i think no homer simpson studs man studs is ready to go yeah. oh all right so, sorry i was yeah, yeah. i had sorry. i had it some information for later today coming in from shane 
Really? We got a show after us, or no. what's going on? No, okay. It's stuff about the I Cubs game later. I don't know if this I... makes you feel old or not, but Kirk McCaskill turned 60 today. Kirk McCaskill, former White Sox pitcher, but I covered him as an Angels on my first beat. He was a kid. He was also a former, he played, dressed a game for the Winnipeg Jets, never played, but he was drafted in the fourth round by the Jets. And Kirk McCaskill played for the White Sox in the early early to mid-90s, turns 60. I'm just, wow. that's really aging. His dad, I watched his dad play. Ted McCaskill was a member of the L.A. Sharks of the World Hockey Association. And oh, famously, because all he did was fight in that league and all he did was empty the benches. After a fight, some guy from the other team came by the bench, I don't remember who it was, and started mouthing off to the Sharks bench. And at that time, Kirk McCaskill's father happened to have his gloves off while sitting on the bench, and he came straight up with a fist, caught the guy on the on the chin, and knocked him out and started a brawl. <laughs> Damn. Yes. Kirk McCaskill turns 60 today. I don't know if that makes you... It makes me feel old. I don't know if you remember him at all, Mark. No, I do. I I, it, I I can't relate exactly to the like does that one make me I mean there's plenty of things that make me feel old. That not that yeah. one does not jump off the top, but I got you. I feel you. I'm here to support you. I I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, I just I'm going to uh, miss wanna... you over the next couple of weeks, buddy. Yeah, well, I miss you too. That's the way things go with uh, our broadcast schedule and the draft coming up and just all kinds of stuff. So yeah, that that'll happen, and maybe by then we'll return to Disco Turkey, and we will have a we will have someone upon whom it is right to confer that title the way Trash Panda has has worn his so proudly. Yeah, we got to return then, to that topic. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So, all right. So, there's the music. We need to thank Scott Merkin and uh, Megan Montemurro and Hub Arkish for joining us. And we want to thank Trash Panda for producing this this epic today and people for chiming in on making guesses on Bulls 50-point scores even after we gave all the answers. We really appreciate <laughs> that. That membership from the WB Club. So, anyways, Mark... What's your, where can people catch you now, Mark? You're all over, you're everywhere. Yeah, well, today is Saturday. Honestly, like, as I sit here right now, I don't know when next I'll be on the radio. I have not looked at next week's schedule yet, but I imagine oh. I'll be on a few times, and who knows when and where, but I'm ready for anything. So thanks, Steve. All right, well, it'll be no, next Saturday for sure. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosen. Thanks for suffering through Saturday suckage, and if nobody important listened, we'll be back next month, something like that. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.